Trish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Holly Fan. Holly is a food writer and dining critic for St. Louis Magazine and Eater, as well as a recent TEDx St. Louis speaker that presented on the illusion of authenticity. Hello, Holly Fan. I am so excited to get to talk to you because your talk was amazing. Let's talk about it. Okay. What is the illusion of authenticity? Well, even, you know, I so I I was kind of obsessed with this before the TED Talk and even after um, now that it's happened, I have so many people coming up to me and wanting to talk about it and organizations that are interested in talking about it and sort of fleshing it out more. And I've I've come to the conclusion it's it's my angle was very much on allowing our our restaurateurs, especially our restaurateurs and our chefs that are immigrant chefs or or are creating a, a food from a very specific place and time to sort of allow them to express themselves as chefs rather than ex- expecting sort of putting expectations on them to express say their entire culture or their entire ethnicity like putting boundaries on them like you exactly. are here to cook this quote authentic food exactly for us. and it I started like out in sort of a you know, like a lot of things do with with really good intention. I think people were seeing like, you know, this neighbor neighborhood taco place on one end of the street. And then on the other end of the street, there's some sort of chain burrito spot. And it mm-hmm. sort of, you, you know, it started to feel not right. And you you would see places that you knew were good, that they were making things that that were meaningful to them. And yet there were also these places that were sort of cashing in on the general idea of someone's cuisine. Yes. And so I think I think forward-thinking diners just kind of said, well, we really want to give autonomy to these independent restaurants, which happened. But then it kind of got a little confusing because we had to decide then what makes a restaurant authentic. And instead of just, I think being okay with however a chef wanted to express themselves or their experiences, we started to put parameters on what we thought felt authentic to us. You know what it, it reminds me of? It's hmm. like what we do to um, musical artists. Like there's musical artists that they're like, they come out, they got this great new album, this great mm-hmm. new sound. Everybody's so excited about it. And then they come out with their second or third album sounds different. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. it doesn't even sound like them. And I'm like, but they're... They're artists. They're evolving. Yeah, they're they're going. Why do we have to like? That's the box you. That was the box you came out with, and we like the box and Mm -hmm. don't get out of it. Whereas that takes away from the creativity and the other gifts that they have. I feel like that's what we're doing to these chefs. I think you're exactly right. And and going to that that music analogy, it's when when there's pressure, when there's so much pressure, and you've had that first album, and you you want to stay in that box because you want to be successful again. Right. It just impedes on your creativity so much. And I think you forget, you sort of get disconnected from that natural source of inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, and then for the, the chef, then is it this kind of feeling of people saying, well, they used to do authentic, this kind of cuisine (laughs) here. Um, But now the chef, I don't know. It's not authentic. And and I feel like that comes from the place of that person. Like, I know authentic yeah. 
what have you food. Like I went yeah. there, I dined there. I know exactly what the authentic thing is. They are no longer an authentic. And then the chef is like, well, damn it. <laughs> I know, exactly. They're like, well, what, what the hell? I mean, even back home, I'd want to try this, you know? Yeah, that's, um, and there's definitely, I think most diners in St. Louis, the thing about St. Louis dining that makes it so strange and also so wonderful is that we are so tapped into into the dining scene here. We have our dining scene. The residents here are way too preoccupied with food. And that is great for me. It's great for my career. It's great for everything I do. I welcome it. Um, but we are inordinately preoccupied with the dining scene here. It's not just food. It's it's the restaurateurs. It's the chefs. It's the, you know, the groups that are opening restaurants. Um, and in St. Louis, uh, there's a lot of cities that they will sort of have areas of the city or, you know, different areas that sort of get gentrified after time. And right. then restaurants will move in and, and people will sort of start building up these neighborhoods again. Whereas in St. Louis, Gentrification comes after our restaurants have moved into an area. Our restaurants build neighborhoods. Okay. And so, like, just around here, if you're looking at, you know, what's happening in Fox Park, which is a fantastic area that's that's sort of renewing and, and beautiful and vibrant. And they have amazing restaurants that have moved in and, right. and are, you know, opening up more restaurants. And so it's, it's nice that we have that much... Um, invested in restaurants here and invested in in that as being an important part of of dining in St. Louis or important part of life in St. Louis. But there is always that, you know, that small percentage of people that are sort of in it for the wrong reasons. And I think those are the people that, that like you mentioned, sort of look at food as less of uh, a shared experience and a community experience and more of a way to sort of event elitism. Yeah, what does this say about me? Exactly. That I go to this restaurant exactly. and I can say these things. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, and I get that. The, so here's a question. Mm. One of the things I'm looking for in St. Louis, here's me, just because, because <laughs> Holly, I've been to Madrid, Spain. Um, mm. So I, I went to school in Madrid. Oh, fantastic. For a year. And uh -huh. then I recently took my daughter there to see the family I lived with. And oh, I was thinking, so and nice. they did the whole paella, the, like mm -hmm. they, we had a whole paella party and it was mm -hmm. just so wonderful. And I was thinking, do we have Spanish? A really great Spanish. St. Louis, I don't know that we, like, can I get paella somewhere? So paella is one of those dishes that a lot of great restaurants run as a special. Gotcha. And unfortunately, I don't know of any restaurant that's running it as a daily um, as a daily dish, as a daily option. I I wish I did. I can tell you that there's a place that is not ready to go public with their information yet. Okay. But if you love um if you love the food of around Spain and Portugal, I think you will be so excited. So you will be texting me when this. I will as soon we as we can't talk about it yet. Place we can't. is open, but as soon as their PR company gives me the green light, I will text you immediately. How <laughs> fun! Oh my gosh! Because you know, I um, I mean, I remember when I lived there, thinking I love the food here, and then I went back with my daughter, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love. The yeah. food. I mean, they have a, an amazing, yummy food scene. There. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an area that that I dream about visiting soon. I I will take you. Yes, Let's go. please. Let's just yeah, go. I and know eat. people there, Let's just so eat it'll be for really weeks. fun. <laughs> that sounds rad. 
It's because um, at one point they said because it's like now it's like the the senor and the senor and then they've got three kids and the three kids each have three kids. So it's this huge group. Oh now. wow! That's and uh, they were like, we you know we do you think you'd want to go out to dinner with the whole family? And if so, then we need to figure out a place to go. Or sure. mom and dad said that they would be happy to do a paella at their place. I'm mom like, and dad. Mom and yeah, dad. Yeah. I mean, she would love to experience that. Let's yeah. do that, you know? And and then it was funny because when I had gone there, when I lived there before, you know, they would like dig a hole and put the coals mm-hmm. in there and the big paella mm-hmm. pan. Now they've got fancy contraptions that like, like it's shaped like a paella pan. It's got little tiny like gas fiery oh, guys yeah. coming up and uh-huh. they put it on that so they don't have to lean down. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. I got to see that the progression is. of the new way to paella. So what if your body went missing and I suddenly came in your place? <laughs> would they notice the difference between <laughs> oh, you no, and I? We for... so much alike. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's been a strange year, guys. <laughs> I'm oh, here for me. paella. They would welcome you with open arms. They're, uh, it's a, they're a neat family. So, okay, so let's talk about, I mean... Just some recent experiences you've had with with food that you think you should share with us. I have had, um, well, I just had dinner the other night at at one of my favorite places. It's called Little Fox. It's it's in the Fox Park neighborhood we were just talking about. I've heard about. Yeah, this they're place. just around the corner. They're yeah. just um, uh, just down off Jefferson, and they're they're an amazing an amazing restaurant. They're they're named by the uh, the New York Times as as one of the fifty. 50 most exciting new restaurants last year in the wow. country. Yeah, they're great people. Um, and I had dinner with a friend of mine who's been in St. Louis restaurants for a long time. He was he was sort of a, a, a very young man when he started out working for Gerard Kraft and worked his way up the ranks and it ended up opening his own restaurant. Um, which was Reed's American Table. I'm okay. talking about uh, my friend Matt Dowday, who's an, a, an amazingly accomplished chef. And I wrote a piece about him when he received his first executive chef gig, and it was a three-part article. And this was maybe 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. And I've kept up with him and watched what he's done. And I watched his restaurant open. And I, you know, I went in and I wrote about that and and the places he's been. And we had this five-hour amazing dinner um, because he's moving on to this new venture, this new position he's in. And watching people's careers sort of progress, I think I've finally been in this long enough. Um, I think I'm hitting my 14th year of writing about food that I've been able to watch these these chefs sort of come into their own. And oh, so it's cool. that, yeah, it's that length of time. You know, I, I think every chef, you sort of have a, a timeline for your career because you get old and it it it, it starts to hurt. It's <laughs> a lot of work. It's, and you're on your it feet is. a lot and there's pressure to get things done on time. It is. And, it's intense and yeah. it's, it's a brutal industry and you there's no time to rest on your laurels if you are in, you know, the hospitality industry. And so, so watching, you know, Matt from when he was very much a, a nose to the grind and 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 not someone who would stick his head up and say, well, yeah, chef, but to seeing him now have, you know, an entire uh, huge group of of chefs and cooks and, and a team that are that are all looking to him for for guidance and for him to sort of form cool. this, you know, this culture that they can work in. And so. So that's really that's really been rewarding. I didn't realize how rewarding it would be to 
to watch people sort of come into their own like that. Is there any place in St. Louis that you feel like it's maybe people would look at it and go, oh, that doesn't look like a great place to eat. But it's like, well, mm-hmm. it may not look great mm-hmm. from the outside, but mm-hmm. go in and yeah. be, be prepared for amazing. Like those ho- those little yeah. unknown secret kind of places. There are so many places like that. There's um, And it's funny because, again, it, it comes down to what we perceive a restaurant needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is... There are people that specifically look for, there's sort of a, it's sort of a double-edged sword. And in one way, it's great because if you find those places, you're giving an opportunity for restaurants that don't have the budget. Right, to have all the fancy tableware and silverware and crystal glasses for the wine. (laughs) And most, more than likely, yeah, more than likely they don't have a liquor license. More than likely they have all family working, you know, and staff. And those are places that, that food, the food they're making is purely a passion project. It is not necessarily going to be sustainable. It's not necessarily the best business move for them. But mm-hmm. what they're doing is 1,000% because they feel compelled to do it. And they feel the need to feed people in the way that that they think is significant, which is, I mean, that's really sort of you know, you dream about having chefs that are that invested right. in your food. So so finding those places is great. Um, they suffer, unfortunately, from probably the worst from that pigeonholing and stereotyping of, of, authenticity. of authenticity. Yeah. Because those are the places that aren't, um, it's less acceptable by the public to pay, you know, $10 for tacos. Um, then everyone's sort of like, oh, well, those are street tacos. They should be cheap. You know, their food costs are the same as everyone else's right. food costs. Their right. labor costs are the same. Um, so, but there's a perception that, especially, you know, independent restaurant, ethnic restaurants um, that we used to sort of call them, categorize them as that, they come under the, I think the, they have the biggest umbrella that they have to climb out from under of assumption of what, what makes them a, you know, sort of a legitimate restaurant. Right. Um, so if they don't hold to what we think, you know, is authentic, I think those are the first restaurants to sort of get the the critical eye. Whereas, you know, if you go to um, uh, some amazing place that we all know about, um, if you go to uh, Bowood by Niche, uh, Gerard Crafts Place, it's wonderful, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Um, they make amazing food and uh, and they're given a lot of leeway and freedom to do that. Those places are not going to come under the scrutiny of what's authentic and what's not. You know, they have right. free range the, to use whatever I'm they the want. I'm a great chef that have made a name for myself and therefore what mm-hmm. I prepare is magical. And all right, but what are some of these places I should go to? That, oh, do you okay. have some names of some places yeah. that I should go try out? Absolutely. Have you been to Press yet? No. You need to hit Press. Um, press is is one of those cool situations where a very, very skilled, very talented chef decided to do something just casual and fun and kind of a little bit what did silly. They do? So <laughs> Logan Ellie, um, who was the chef over at Lucky Accomplice and used to be the chef at Shift, which was a very cerebral sort of experience with, um, I, I don't remember how many it sat. I don't think it sat over 18 people. But every night it was, you know, uh, a set menu of, of something like 
12 courses and it was very, it was intense. It was, it was an experience and you left there wowed, but it was, you also left mentally, you know, you, you'd been through the rigors. It was an, it was an experience. Oh, wow. Okay. So that chef um, decided he was going to invent a new way to make kind of like pizza. Um, And he invented this, this method of pressing dough between cast iron and sort of griddle cooking it so it gets crispy on the outside on all areas and then he tops it with all these amazing things you know that that you wouldn't see on normal pizzas but are very really interesting ingredients um sort of product and produce he's getting locally that that you won't see you know elsewhere because he has those ties already for his fine dining sort of side and they're putting in on these pizzas and making really good craft cocktails that are on tap. And it's just, it's a fun place. The atmosphere is one of those that everyone seems to be in a good mood there. Everyone oh, seems fun. to be having a good time, which is the type of place that I want to dine at, you know? Yeah. So press. Yeah. Okay. Press. Um, I'm going to remember press. Absolutely. Just in this neighborhood. Yeah. Press Little Fox. Press is actually getting ready to open their second place too. Um Press V.2, I guess it is. I don't even know. I, I, I need to get my butt over to Fox. I know. I need to go over in that neighborhood. I, I go to, to the Grove a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, because well, I love that area. Yeah. Nate uh, Nate Hereford, who has uh, Chicken Scratch, which is mm-hmm. amazing. He's mm-hmm. going to be... Um, there, there's a lot happening in the Grove. There's a lot happening. Yeah. A lot of places that a lot there of really are. people are opening. There's some cool places happening Multiple in Multiple ventures. Yeah. And uh, the foundry is amazing. I Every place the in there. Um, and actually, if if you're going to hit, I'm not a huge sports person. I love baseball because I'm a St. Louisan and I'm a right. decent human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you um, on that. And but with the soccer stadium, I'm I'm really excited to see some soccer games. You know, oh, yeah. it interests me. I know. But the food, the culinary program they have there is ripping fantastic. Really. It's, um, like well, for the fancy boxes or no, for, for people the just to buy things. So the oh, entire nice. stadium is 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 being serviced by nine. I'd say ninety five percent of it. They do have like hot dogs if people want hot dogs sure. you know, from stadium service, or if people just want that sort of thing. But the large, large, large majority of of the vendors are all independent local restaurants. Most of them are, this is their first time, their first venture into something close to a brick and mortar. Yeah. Um, This is a great sort of step in between because it's being overseen by Gerard Kraft, who, you know, is our James Beard winner, Best Chef Midwest winner. And he's giving a lot of different people from a lot of backgrounds um, an opportunity to serve the best items that they make. How fun. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So well, now can, I really want to go to a soccer game. I mean, I, I had a lotus. I had, you know, amazing Peruvian food. I had tacos. I had, I mean, Steve's hot dogs and the Balkan treat boxes are. The other cool thing is that you can go to the stadium on game days, order food from the outside of the stadium because they have windows like kiosks oh, to cool. the public. Oh, and just hang, hang out, out or go in home, the beautiful space, yeah. and, and not necessarily need a ticket, but oh, get to sort of be part of the whole experience. I'm like so close to the stadium, it's beautiful. It's like what I would consider like kind of like my backyard. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you should you should head down. It's 
And All I think right. Game days I am going to be eating well this summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't put on like 20 pounds by the time I see you next, I'll be highly miss, disappointed. You are not eating enough. You're not going out. Well, I have some fun questions um, for you. So okay. is there a food you've had recently that is like, you know how there's the new foods that come out, the yeah. new trendy food? Like what's what's the new trendy food I don't know about? Oh, gosh. I don't think I know about it either. <laughs> Trendy food. Or maybe just a food like, Miss, did you know that this exists that a lot of people don't know exists? Like, I'm always excited when I hear about some new fruit. You know, like, oh, I never knew that. Oh, was I know. Fruit. I'm excited when I hear about anything new. I'm like, yeah. what? This what exists? Is that? You know, what's interesting is I think, and this, this was sort of a... I guess kind of a chic thing on the coast, but it's chic for a reason. And you will be able to, you'll you'll understand this from spending time in Spain. Tinned fish is a huge thing in other countries. Really? Yeah. Like, like you know how we get sardines in the yeah. little can and we unroll it? The quality of of fish that comes from like, you know, there's like San Sebastian or or Portugal, they tin fish that is sort of, you know, in mussels and seafood and bivalves that are at the peak of of season in the best possible, you know, most robust, I don't even know how to say that a, a clam is ripe, but at its, you know, at its prime stage, that's when they can these things. And really? they, they will cook them and, you know, just poach them in olive oil, or you can get them in amazing, amazing things like harissa, you know, or, or, um, or all sorts of other or other variations. Because I would have never thought to myself, I really need to get I some know. tin fish. I know, I know. You're like, really, Holly, a can of tuna? But no, these are... And places like Bar Moro, which just opened up um, on Wydown, okay. is, you know, you walk in and there's just tin fish just lined up to the ceiling. And it's it's Ben Paremba sort of saying, this is great stuff. You guys need to learn about it. I'll be darned. And they, they offer that. And it's... It's hot stuff to get to the tin Yield fish. Tin fish, I know. I just would have. Thank you. I know. I right? like when people <laughs> open my eyes to cool stuff. All right, so I'm going to a potluck this weekend, oh, okay. and I'm not a great cook, okay. unlike you. So, what would you suggest I bring? Whatever the thing is that you know how to make the best mm. that you've made the most often. Okay. I now you want want to hear what it is? Yeah. That I'm really good. At. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, okay, so one. For whatever reason, in my family, I am the salad dressing maker. I make really good salad dressing from scratch. That's a it's skill. Like, it's like, it's the thing that Mish knows how to do, whatever reason. The other thing I'm super good at, this is going to sound hilarious, mm -hmm. but I love almond butter sandwiches with thinly sliced strawberries. Yeah, a little bit fantastic. of honey. That and I'm thinking fantastic. about making those. Because I think that's the kind of thing people will just eat, just pick up and eat. Absolutely. Just cut the crust off and make it yeah. look pretty. People freaking love that stuff maybe i'll find a cookie cutter and do like little hearts or something oh, look, you're oh. fancy I, am, I might just have to put a sprig of parsley on it there you go Woo! i'll yeah, be just turning no. the pants off of everybody at that party absolutely <laughs> whatever you know is going to be good like really i think sort of the times that i enjoy myself the least at things like that you know sort of potlucks and things of that nature are when i bring something that i've made only once just for that event Right. And, and you haven't experimented enough with exactly. it and you're kind of like nervous bringing it and making it. And, exactly. Yeah. And so if it's if it has components and, and sort of technique that I've used in other things, I'm OK with it. But if I'm making something that I've never made before 
that's not the time to, you know, the public is not the time Let's to do that. Let's not experiment on yeah, your experiment friends. on your family, you know, <laughs> or really close friends in your home. But Right, yeah. There you go. Like, but, I've never made this before, guys. I'm trying it out on you. I Let mean, me know what you think. butter sandwiches with thinly sliced strawberries sounds, sound, and a little bit really of honey sounds yummy. great. And yeah. you can notch all that stuff. You know, you can no, find amazing can local do, honey. You can, and Yes, yeah. and I have local honey. So this is something I feel like I can't, I won't screw up. Like I will actually, and I also think it's one of those things people will eat because it's so yeah. like kind of comforty and yeah, yeah. That is, that's one of those things people will pick up, especially if you're doing a potluck. And there's, um, it's, it's easy and it's welcoming. There's nothing intimidating about that. You know yeah. what I mean? I'll cut the crust off. I like that idea. I yeah. wasn't thinking about that, but now I'm going to. Yeah. And I'll use gluten-free bread because I'm a gluten-free girl. Yeah. So I have to do the whole gluten-free thing. Absolutely. But... So are all three of my nieces. Yeah. Oh, it's better. It's mm. becoming better. I just got, I went to visit my daughter in Denver over the weekend. In Denver, it's like gluten, you can find it very easy. So yeah. I know it's coming. Like it, you know, it takes a while, like starts on the coast and eventually it gets to yeah. the middle of the country. So I can see it coming. I see some places that are doing it. Have you, you know. ever visited Four Seasons Bakery in St. Charles no. on Fifth Street? They are um, they are fellow CIA graduates. They went to the. They actually it's funny. They went to call. They started culinary school or the same culinary school that I went to immediately after I left. So we missed each other by like a month. Um, but we both moved back to St. Louis and we became just just fast friends. But they own a bakery, um, Aggie and Erin Groff, called Four Seasons in St. Charles, and their daughter Alina. They found out had celiac uh, when she right. was very young. Yeah, and, and as two pastry chefs and bakers, they were mortified. No kidding. You know, and um, and I think sort of one of the initial worries was I remember Aggie when when she first found out, she's very upset and she said, you know, I just want my daughter to be able to eat pizza with her friends. It's just sort right. of an easy thing like that. Right. So they have created, I think the best selection of the most delicious gluten-free pastries oh, in good. St. Louis. I'm going to go because it, you, I do find myself like every once in a while wanting some kind of a treat. And I'm like, well, I yeah. just really can't because there's not a lot of yeah. gluten-free bakery goods. Absolutely. There know? are items that I will buy that are just so delicious and they happen to be gluten-free and I, it doesn't, it's just, Right, it just happens I mean, most of like gluten free yeah. bread, nobody knows mm -hmm. that it's gluten free. Mm -hmm. It's there's no any weirdness to it. Yeah. It just you know yeah. doesn't have gluten in it, which is such an inflammatory. Yeah. You know, it's an inflammatory for a lot of people, and Absolutely. I'm definitely one of them. So when they invent a great gluten free pasta, I will be yeah, kicking their, my heels. Their gluten free pasta, I still haven't found anything yeah. that I'm like, ooh, this is awesome. Neither have I. So one of the big things that I love is talking about kindness. So I oh, want okay. you to share with us just. Anything that comes to mind about kindness, whether you received mm -hmm. it, you gave it, you witnessed it, tell us. Well, I have for the last week have been sort of playing with a new, a very exciting new business venture. And this is the first time I've ever, I've ever started a venture that is based on just myself. Which is kind of a, you know, it's, it's I a, like it. Yeah, it's one of those like when when you haven't sort of invested in yourself as a as a business, it's a weird feeling, mm -hmm. you know, sort of selling yourself. But but what I realized was that as I reached out to to chefs and I, I reached out to to different restaurant owners, they all said the same thing. They're like, Holly, you know, of of course, you know, of course we're gonna we're gonna help you out. You you helped us out. 12 years ago when you wrote about us or you helped us 
you helped us out, you know, when you got the word out about this or you helped collaborate with this. And and the thing about the restaurant industry is it's such a tight community and everyone has a long memory. And and even though when I, you know, like wrote about Matt Dowaday or I, I wrote a piece about my friend Chris Bork a, a long time ago and he came back up, those sort of acts of just wanting wanting another business to do well, mm-hmm. wanting another person to mm-hmm. really thrive and do well. If you can put yourself in a position that you can help somebody in in sort of any small way, even if you don't think it's significant, as much as I, you know, as much as I think doing things for the altruism is is a wonderful, you know, wonderful, beautiful thing, there is definitely a return for kindness and there always will be and it's I love it yeah and it's just it's one of those things that makes you feel it makes you feel better about being alive right you know? yes right yeah. we, we need those things yeah I love it yeah well Holly thank you for all that you do this has been fun talking about this has food. been I love this thank it's you food, so much for sharing so all your awesomeness with us and your your food knowledge I do one thing really well, and it is eat food. <laughs> eat <laughs> eat I, and write about it. I am so well-skilled. <laughs> That's Years awesome. of training. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, Holly Fan, so much for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Have fabulous days and eat good food. All yes. right. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Love you. Bye.